Chega? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, this is Michelle Kanan, and you're listening to the Radically Selfish podcast. Radically Selfish is a movement. It's a personal revolution. And so I'm talking to women that have personally revolutionized their own lives and taken back the definition for what it means to be happy, healthy, and to do things their own way. Fuck what society tells you to do. You get to live the life that you want. On this episode, I'm talking to one of my favorite Instagram influencers, Melinda Alexander, or as you might know her, Mumu Mansion. We go deep on so many different topics, but what was really cool for me was to go behind the scenes with somebody so authentic and real and how she deals with her public persona and her real life and how she's using Instagram to connect with people in a really authentic way. I'm really excited to have this opportunity to talk to you and to have this conversation uh, and also to let you know that I am a total geek about you <laughs> and a fan <laughs> of yours. And I'm one of those people that was like, oh, I've been following you on Instagram since before other people <laughs> knew about you. Um, so I'm really proud about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been feeling that I don't know what it is that I want to say or do, but I just want to have an acknowledgement for those people because I feel like, Someone like liked a picture the other day that I know has been following me for years and it's a different type of relationship. I feel like you've seen a lot of change and a lot of growth and it's just trippy. Like there's some people who obviously just got here because there was a couple posts that I mentioned last week that a lot of people unfollowed me for that were just classic Melinda. <laughs> and I thought, oh, they must be new. <laughs> must have been some new people because naked and crying is kind of my thing. And um, I almost wish I didn't have a good title for my book because naked and crying is kind of a great title. Well, you could you could make it uh, the the second book. <laughs> the the second book, or this, yeah. <laughs> I'm still gonna I'm gonna meditate on naked and crying because I just feel like that pretty much. I wonder. I wonder if there's a, if that Instagram handle is available. Maybe that's something <laughs> just to have as a backup. I already have three or four just in case, so no one else takes them. Well, I know there's another Instagram feed, or like there's a meme of people crying while eating food. So, and it has mm. like millions of followers. So, um, so people <laughs> they want to see. Yeah, they see. crying and eating. Exactly. Um, but what you were saying about. Uh, your journey and where you've been like that's really so much why or one of the reasons so much that I wanted to talk to you and interview you for this podcast because it's been so beautiful to watch you unfold and watch how you really just like walk the path of becoming your own medicine and of being more and more you and discovering more and more what makes you you and being proud as hell about it and how through doing that you've created space for so many other people to drop in and to heal and to love themselves and you're such an amazing example and I just really wanted people that didn't get to know you yet to be able to touch that kind of energy and experience it and for people that do know you or just starting to get to know you to be able to 
learn more and to hear more. So maybe we could just start by you sharing, like, in your own words, who you are, where you're going, <laughs> where you've been. Mm. Yeah, you know, who knows? Who knows who I am? <laughs> if I don't know, you probably don't know. And one of the kind of cool slash strange things about social media is that we all just out out of some natural reaction, we create stories about who people are. And so there's probably a million versions of Melinda that exist that may or may not actually be who I am in other people's eyes. Um, and so there's that layer, too, of I've been Melinda for 37 years. I've only been Moon Mansion for five or six. Mm. And so always checking in with that layer of who I really am versus who people create me to be. Um, so I don't, I don't, even though I've been self-employed for six years, I don't have my elevator pitch down about, you know, who I am or what I do. It, it's always changing. And one of the things I somewhat pride myself on is my choice. I don't know if it was even intentional, but to not, um, be a brand and not be a business even per se, though I do make my living doing this, I feel like it is just still, it's me and it's my journey and I'm helping other people who are on similar journeys and other women who are trying to figure shit out by processing my own stuff out loud and sharing what I learn as I learn it. And so I feel like that's kind of what I do and I had the foresight to just name, to both name my, you know, Instagram handle and my tagline, I do women's work and get free as very broad, you know, out perspectives. Like everything that I'm going through from marriage to divorce to abuse to motherhood to dating to spirituality to body image is all women's work. It's just all part of the process of dropping into our identity as women. And so I get to keep changing and I don't have to change my business model and I don't have to change my name because all I ever said was I do women's work. <laughs> and and getting free is, is really at the core of what that, you know, a lot of people do women's work and that looks very differently for them. But for me, it's all based in a desire to really shift some stuff, mainly internally, about what it means to be a woman at this moment in time and in this incarnation of me and in this body. And a lot of it is getting rid of and getting free from structures and patterns and socializations that I didn't willfully choose. Or maybe I did, but I, you know, I chose in a, from a place with blinders on Mm-hmm. And so I'm always just peeling back another layer and seeing what's under any of it and where it came from and who gave it to me and do I want it or not want it and does that part resonate with who I want to be or does it feel old and icky and stuck and can I get free from it? So that's the work I'm doing. It's always looking differently. It, it's It's definitely in a kind of transitional phase right now 
um, just because I've been doing some deeper spiritual work and it feels good. It feels good to have that fluidity and I am aware so clearly that that's a privilege and that for this to be how I live my life and how I make a living when so many people are barely making a living and are in jobs that you know, don't have flexibility and don't allow them to show up as themselves. And here I am, like, getting to gallivant around crying naked. (laughs) (laughs) But I think think that's part of our responsibility and that's part of why we do the work on many levels. Like, A, to be an example, like, to show other women what's possible and in terms of behavior, in terms of expression, in terms of freedom – and then B, while through doing that, knocking shit down, like breaking those structures, like questioning things, like asking other people to question those things, like, because on the one hand, this work can be very self-centered or very selfish, but we do it for all the women out there. We do it for our mothers that could never do it and for mm-hmm. our children so that they don't have to go through the same things that we're going through. Like when we look at society, like it, that it, in a way that's, that's a huge inspiration for, for what we're doing and what we're going through. We can't ignore it anymore. Mm. People, we don't do things for likes and we don't do things for followers, but mm-hmm. when you realize that a lot of people are resonating with what you're saying it it means something it means like oh shit okay I'm not here I was thinking it was just me and I think that that's one of the you know strengths of social media is there's plenty of things about it that I think are mind fucks but one of the ways that I think it alleviates some anxiety is we are we grow up pretty I don't know if introspective is the right word, but kind of, even if you have a lot of friends, I was always very popular, but I wasn't talking to them about my deep stuff. I was coming home and hiding that shit away and shoving it places. And of course, as we know, it manifests in all these other ways, but I didn't know that they were probably at home doing the same thing. And I'll never forget, we had this um, kind of blow up in high school and all the girls were fighting and then bickering and gossiping. And I don't know if the principals asked us to do it or if we asked them, but we were basically like, look, we all need to get in a room together and talk. And it was called, we called it Room 103 because that was the classroom that we were able to use. And we spent the whole day in there, no adults, which is at the time, I mean, looking back on it, kudos to my high school. But we like did a women's workshop basically at like 14 in this like conference room, this empty (laughs) classroom and everyone went around and like said what they were dealing with and why they were acted the way they did. And we were all bawling, crying and people were talking about their fathers dying and their mom being sick. And you know, this guy that dumped them and everyone was just like processing out loud. And we all made this pact to be like best friends that of course were off after like two weeks, but (laughs) it let you inside of like, Oh, she's kind of a bully because like she's lives in foster care or she's dresses like that because, you know, she's really insecure about her body and whatever. And it just was like this really 
important glimpse into the fact that we're all dealing with so much shit. And I think social media, not everyone, most people don't use it that way, but I think what resonates about accounts like mine are, I'm telling you to some extent about what's coming up for me and what I'm processing and what it actually looks like instead of selling you, you know, the results of if you sign up to work with me, you too can look like this or act like this or have this level of success or whatever. I don't know what the hell your journey is going to be. But I'm going to share, you know, both the positives and the negatives of what it looks like in my life. And apparently a lot of people need to see that because um, there isn't a lot of transparency, not just in social media, but in in our day-to-day lives. I think a lot of people are living with veils that are, you know, they're coping mechanisms for how they get through their life. But at a certain point in my life, I the veil was just had all these big holes in it and rips in it. And I just, it was more work to patch it up than it was to just take it off. So how can you have, like, this is something that I actually struggle with. How do you decide what the boundary is for what you share and what you keep to yourself? And also, how do you know when it's time to share and when it's, time just for you to like be with it and to process it behind the scenes yeah it's a great question intuition really I mean I think that I've been doing it long enough to where I've shared when I shouldn't have and I didn't share when I should have and just listening a lot to like what stories or thoughts are coming up around if I feel like for instance the whole me too stuff I didn't want to share. I felt obligated. I felt like, oh, I'm a feminist and um, people are, everyone's sharing and they're going to look to my page. Like, what's her Me Too story? Mm -hmm. And I just felt like I needed to, that's some shit I needed to process. It was all a lot for me to read and I just started scrolling past it. Like, I, I, you know, I wasn't ready for that. And and not because it's some part of me in my life that I don't want to look at, but because I get to choose when I work on what I, you know, what I work on and when I work on it. And that's not, I don't need to work on that publicly right now. And so I was sitting with feeling an obligation. And in the last year or so, I've really been trying to push back on that. I am not obligated to Instagram. I'm not obligated to people on Instagram. I'm not obligated to share. Um, I'm not obligated to be vulnerable. And in some ways, I feel like I have been because it is it is my platform and that's what people expect from me. And if I just started having shallow captions all the time, people would be like, what the hell was going on here? And yet, I felt very clearly that I didn't, I felt, it didn't feel a pull for me to share. It felt a push if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so listening to that in my body, like, do I want to share or do I feel like I should share? And it's not, it's not a, you know, perfect science. There are plenty of times where I'm unsure. Like I can't, you know, oftentimes it's joy that I want to share that I don't feel comfortable sharing to the extent that I'm experiencing it. And, And it's something I've really had to work through because I know that people ultimately want me to be happy but I also know that a lot of people around me and in the world are not happy and I've had people actually tell me that they unfollowed me because 
where I was was so far from where they were well, that it it was on one hand inspiring but also really like triggering and frustrating for them because they just can't figure out how to get closer to where I was. And I totally get that. I've unfollowed people for that exact same reason. When I was in the early years of single motherhood, I did not want to see happy families. I don't need to be reminded. I, I feel every single day that I'm doing this by myself. I don't need to see your beautiful husband baby wearing your child. You know, it's just making me want to just throw up. That's so funny. So, I was I, I was talking to I, I was at a Mama Gina's weekend um, this weekend in New York City, and um, and I was talking to a woman there, and she was saying how painful it was for her to feel her desires because it brought up the realization of how far away from them she was and how attainable mm-hmm. they felt to her. Mm-hmm. Unattainable. Yeah, or just just. Yeah. She, you know, to like see all the things that she wanted and then that feeling of not having them, that that was mm-hmm. just so painful for her to to be with, that it was easier for her to try to shut out the desire. Yeah. Well, that's why when 100 people unfollowed me last week, I was going through this whole range of emotions, but one of them was really trying to drop in and not take it personal. This is not about me and, and me doing whether I did something wrong or good or bad. It's about that people are all at different places. And I don't have a judgment of someone who isn't ready to work on her body image. I, it, like I was saying about the sexual trauma stuff, you, you work on it when you're ready to work on it. And sometimes you don't have a choice and it hits you over the head and you have to deal with it immediately. But I feel like we all come into our healing when it's, when it's time. And if... My and that goes for both the the hard stuff and the good stuff. So, if you know, I have a couple of, for instance, girlfriends who lost babies last year, and they just couldn't be on social media because everybody was having babies. Yeah. And it's just it's too hard. And I get that, dude. I I wouldn't be offended if I knew that someone unfollowed me because they were looking for love, and so deeply more than anything want companionship. And here I am with this beautiful man, you know, experiencing this level of intimacy. I get it. And so, you know, I said it in a post the other day, which was ironic because I was feeling unclear about my feelings. And so I was having like a push away from Instagram where I was like mad at it, even though I knew I was telling myself not to take it personal. I was still mad. Like, how dare those people? Like, I just felt like, I just felt like, I don't know, rejected. And so I didn't, want to be vulnerable and I didn't really know how to articulate it and so I did a post eventually after a few days of sitting with that that kind of just said all that like you know I can't please everybody I don't you know some people I'm going to be too happy some people I'm going to be too sad it's like you know some people I'm too revolutionary some people I'm not revolutionary enough and I feel like I've spent a lot of my life in that dance like really trying I want everyone to be happy with me and I want everyone to, I want everyone's approval that I am a good person and I'm doing good things and like really embodying that that's not even, that's not even possible (laughs) and that that shouldn't really be my ultimate desire. My ultimate desire should be living in my most authentic truth and that if I'm really doing that, there's going to be actually quite a few people who aren't that into it and that's hard for me to swallow but 
I try to strive towards that. And so when I shared that kind of with some nervousness, that was a super popular post because apparently, again, most people feel that pull. And there were some people who commented like, fuck them or um, do you. And I, you know, while I appreciate the like encouragement, I felt like that sounds easy. But when you really are experiencing the rejection, I don't think most of us, like people who say, I give no fucks. Like, I give a lot of fucks about a lot of things. <laughs> and I don't even have the desire to give no fucks. That's not even, whenever I hear that, I'm like, what is that? I don't, I don't, that doesn't resonate with me. But I think we all are, you know, young girls on the playground <laughs> who want to be liked and want to have friends. And, you know, maybe there are some people who are natural loners and really enjoy solitude. But I like to be liked and I like to feel good about who I am and that it it reflects back from other people. And so if I feel like I may have done something wrong, every time that happens, I have to sit with it. Like, is it them or is it me? And well, so it's a dance. You know, the Instagram thing is, is totally a dance and it's not for the faint of heart. Like you have to really, I don't, if it wasn't for my spiritual practice, I don't think I could handle the, you know, the ego stuff. It's an ego trip. <laughs> yeah, I I really admire how you're talking about this in the way that I get to hear you just like with your post and I get to think about my experience and what like goes on with me and I, I, it really resonates what you're talking about. Like I'm 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 going through a conflict with a really close family member right now where it feels like the more I shine or the more I become comfortable or myself or like visible in my truth, the more burn or fire or anger that I feel or like the more resistance I feel mm. from that person. And it's it, it, I, I in the same way, like I've had to turn to my spiritual practice and it's just so amazing to think about using a spiritual practice or or instagramming as a spiritual practice or like incorporating social media and being in that kind of platform and using it as part of like your journey because people people don't talk about social media in that kind of way you know they talk about it just in the ego but what we're doing also with me like my posts are like super like journal entries you know mm-hmm. um it, it that's that that's part of like our mission or how we're living our life is to constantly grow or learn or teach or be in community and so we're just using those platforms to enable that process along too yeah and you'll see who lives with it and who doesn't and for some people they're like this shit is too long she always telling a story you know <laughs> Jesus, I like to keep it light at my work. And, you know, like you said with the family member, I mean, beyond social media, forget about, you know, when you lose 100 followers, you don't even know who the hell they are. Right. When you lose a person in real life, like, I lost a lot of people in the last few years for various reasons, and I wasn't used to that. Like, I held on tightly to my relationships to the point where I bended in lots of ways to accommodate them. And I kept a lot of things to myself and I played small and I did all the things that make people comfortable and happy. And as I slowly started to get free from those things, there's loss involved. Yeah. And um, 
and it's hard. And it's one of the things that um, I'm going to talk about in my online group next year is we don't talk, we, we don't talk about like breakups beyond romantic. Mm-hmm. And and I think they're equally jarring to the psyche and, and you know displacing of the you know just identity stuff and like am I a good person? Why this person that I really valued is mad at me or doesn't like me anymore? Doesn't whatever and I don't know what to do with that information. And so I've again with my intuition I've really had to like sit with those relationships that have ended and and look at them as clearly as possible. Like what role did I play in that, if any, and or is it their shit? And is it really a direct reflection of me living my best life and that is too uncomfortable for them. You know, I was telling a client this morning who's going through some marital stuff and and you're the perfect person. I, I'm looking forward to actually talking about the radically selfish part because that's something that I've been, my, I got my astrological chart done for next year and that's basically what's being asked of me in order for awesome. me to ma- maintain my health and my business. Yes. And I'm like, I don't even know what the hell that looks like. So let's get to that in a second. But I was telling a client <laughs> kind of the same thing. Like she needs to, she's got health issues and, I was telling her, like, you need to be pour into yourself in a way that you have not ever done. And and I will tell you now that your husband in particular, but your kids, everybody, isn't going to love it, you know? Because even when they say they do, like, oh, take care of yourself, what they really mean is go to the spa, then come back home and do all the other stuff that you normally do and be in a, an emotional emotional labor and physical labor uh-huh, but you can uh-huh. go get your nails done you uh-huh. know go, go take a couple hours then come back and be a slave and so when we show up differently and we say no to things and we don't call someone every single day and we don't text back immediately and we don't do a million favors and we don't overdo it and overextend ourselves the people that were benefiting from that feel it and they feel they feel a sense of rejection when it's not that I'm not showing up for you it's that I'm trying to show up better for myself and I think you know it's a good segue to to talking about that but I think one of the important things in that transition is articulating that that's what you're doing because if you used to text someone every day and now you're not texting them but once a week and they don't know why that's going to feel a lot different than, hey, look, my health's really suffering. I'm really trying to, you know, not be on my phone as much and really, like, do more yoga or take a nap or whatever, and I'm trying to spend more time with my family or whatever it is. Um, It doesn't mean that they still won't feel a level of loss on their part, but at least they're clear that it's not them. It's, you know, it's you. And so... You know, I don't have that down because I am a chronic people pleaser and I also have a lot of stories about worth being tied to service. And so none of that, though, is really service to myself, even if I say it is, even if I talk about self-love a lot. um, I definitely still suffer from a little bit of martyrdom. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, look, you know, 
when people hear the term self-care, the things that they think of are like, like I'm going to get a manicure, let me get a massage, let me go to the spa with my friends. They don't necessarily go levels deeper, which is remove toxic energy from my life and don't do things that aren't like a full-bodied yes, like say no when you want to say no. like And then all the... I'll call them consequences that come from that, but all the reactions that come back from taking those Mm -hmm. kinds of activities. And Mm -hmm. we often wish that we could have the foresight to say, hey, you know, I'm I'm not going to call you as often because I'm taking care of myself, but we don't, we're not always able to plan it in that way or be so clear. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. even sending that message to someone else is just like too much and you just mm-hmm. don't even want to do it, and and we all have the permission to do that. I think what what needs to happen next, what people forget, is there's like another level. It's like how do you keep those boundaries? Like how do you continue to show up for yourself even if other people don't like it, and even if other people will have a bad thing to say about it? Like how do you stay connected to your intuition and to your truth and to your self love and to holding that kind of space for yourself because ultimately we're the only ones that can create that kind of space and care for ourselves, even if we wish that other people could do that because they need to do it for themselves too. And so when I think about radical selfishness, I think about personal revolutions that we create for ourselves, like that kind of space and prioritization that only we can make that as much love and good intention as the people around us might have for us, they never fully know what we need. Only we know what we need. Like, and only we can be the ones to give ourselves that kind of medicine and care for ourselves and treat ourselves in that kind of way. And it takes first and foremost, I just think a decision and that kind of attention and it's its own consciousness practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like that we only we know what we need. Because the other thing about self-love or self-care, I really wish we could just, like, scratch the first generation of self-care and toss that notion out the window. Because baths, <laughs> it doesn't matter how many fucking baths you take. It's not going to do that much. This is, like, the biggest band-aid. I mean, I'm a bather, so I do consider it part of self-care, but that is not enough. That is not going to get you where you really want to go. Right, because you and get out of you get out of the bath and then it's you your You get out of the again, bath right? into your real life and you're like, wait a second, there's everything waiting for me. It's like alcohol. It's like, okay, you could get drunk every night if you want. Wine, like people really think self-care is wine and baths. And sure, there's nothing wrong with either of those, but nothing goes away just because you went in the bath and nothing goes away because you drank wine. So, for me, even self-love is like, again, so many overused terms, but I like self-healing better because I feel like, or, you know, even self-awareness. Um, to me, the biggest gift is learning how to make myself feel better and not expecting anyone or anything outside of myself to fix anything. And I think it is a huge relief in romantic relationships that that person is not responsible for my happiness. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time I've ever been able to figure that out. And not to say I have it mastered, but, you know, he, we're, you know, we don't make each other happy. Like, we're happy together, but 
he's his own person and he's got his own shit and I can't fix his shit and I'm not trying to fix his shit for the first time in 37 years. I'm not trying to fix this shit. I just am sitting next to him on the couch while he's feeling his shit and I'm feeling my shit and the tools that I cultivated in my solitude have been so helpful for me. That is what self-care is. I am caring for myself Mm. and I am, I know what I need and I can't expect him or my mom or my son or my friends to really give it to me. I'm the only one that knows the nuances of what works and what doesn't work and what I need to work on and what this emotion feels like in my body and what this is triggering in me. Um, And I think, so that's what I'm saying. Self-exploration is so important because that's how you figure that stuff out. If, and, and in bringing it back to baths, the beauty of baths is that's where I do a lot of self-exploration. It's not the bath itself that's doing anything but it's a forced meditation because I'm in the bath. It's wet. I can't really do anything. You know, like I'd love to read in the bath, but I don't understand how people do that. Like what <laughs> are you reading with? Who's turning the page? <laughs> um, so it's just this time to, to sit and to think and to breathe and to be. And a lot of interesting stuff comes up for me in the bath. And so, you know, I think people... You know, I feel like I I talk about this a lot, particularly on podcasts, but just our relationships with ourselves are just, that's what self-love is. It's not just loving your body, you know, loving your belly and all the things I talk about. Those are like all little components of what a relationship with myself looks like. And it's just as much about my emotions as it is about my belly. And emotions come up for me that I don't like and I don't really want them um, mad to see them there in that part of the day and yet because I am doing this work and I'm actively engaging with it I can look at them pretty clearly and see where they came from you know what they mean and and I also know more and more how impermanent they are I mean sometimes they literally last for 20 minutes and then they're gone and there were times in my life where I would have made a whole day or week out of a feeling and now I just am in a more fluid place. And that's a strange thing, going back to social media, is people like to know how you're doing. I don't, I don't even ask that question anymore because it's just a weird fucking question. How are you? I don't know. I'm, I, I mean, I'm right at this moment, I'm, I'm good. Yesterday I was terrible. You know, and maybe, and I don't, I don't know. It's just something weird about that nature. It feels, it feels very permanent. Like, how are you as a person, or how well, are you right now? I mean, it's, it's a fake question. At least in like American culture, it's a fake question because a lot of times people just do not even want to know. <laughs> they just want you to say good so that they can like move on to something else. I, I know. Mean, I, I called my son's school the other day to like change his bus schedule or something, and that guy who answered the phone, I was like, "How you doing?" He was like, "Meh," and I was like. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty, <laughs> because everyone says good, and then they just move on, you know. But no, I'm having a, I'm having a meh kind of day. I just and I just started saying everything because that's another thing too that I learned with myself and with my clients is like we can get so caught up in one emotion or feeling, mm-hmm. but we don't even realize there's actually like a whole spectrum of things that's going on, but you can be miserable and sad and completely grateful and thrilled at the same time. Or you can be like, right. Mad, it's like there's three yeah. boxes, 
to check and it's like I'm feeling four things actually at the moment and I feel like in general my life has become that like I did a post for my book that's called a mixed bag and you know my partner when I come home he asks me every day how was your day and I, I often say a mixed bag like there was this one great thing and then this other thing really sucked and I had this one hour where I was having a total meltdown but then I had a great meditation and to me part of the demystifying of mental health and emotional well-being is maybe everyone's not like that. You know, we all have different minds and different spirits, but mine is very, it, it is, it's moody and not in a bad way, not in a, like I'm throwing shit across the room and I'm, I start, I just start crying in the middle of anything, but, but that's a whole separate thing. And we, if we have time, we can talk about how you were the one that told me I had so much water. Um, <laughs> but, Besides the crying, you know, like I am, I am moody and it doesn't, it no longer feels like a bad thing. I feel very aware of the moods and I feel like they're all within the spectrum. Usually, I mean, PMS is another category, but they're usually within the spectrum of quote unquote normal. And I feel like they're not, but I didn't think of them as normal. I thought good happiness is the goal and I want to be happy every day as much of the day as possible. And of course, that sounds great, but there's other emotions and they're all important emotions. And if we just let them be and we don't judge them so much, you know, the the less that I judge, you know, I start naming my, my feelings because they're, they're very particular and familiar. And and it makes it kind of a jovial thing like, you know, oh, there's Betsy again with her whatever frustration or her fear or whatever. I just think it's it, it allows us to have a richer experience and a richer relationship with our own mental health and not feel like forced to not look at things because we're so scared. If you, again, it kind of demystifies, not the right word, but it takes some of the power away, I think, or the fear away from sadness or anger or doing deep, you know, exploration work because we feel confident in our ability to manage a, a large range of emotions. And, and, you know, if we could also we take make, away the, the judgment from that, too, because the, the emotions that you just named, you anyone mm-hmm. could say, oh, those are negative emotions. And it's so interesting, like the choice of words that we use, just like when you would see someone crying, you would immediately say, what's wrong, right? As if, like, yeah. you're just creating this context that there's a problem or there's something wrong or there's something that needs to be fixed or something that needs to be moved along. And so if we can just look at it as intensities or if we can say, hey, what's going on or what are you going through instead of putting that judgment or putting that negativity around it, that also changes how we relate Mm -hmm. to having those kinds of feelings too because you can have like intense joy and that's cool, right? Like we love it, we accept it, like Other people are happy to see us like that. But then you can have, like, intense sadness, and if you learn, like, not to show that or that it's a burden or, you know, then you're going to not only have the feeling, but then you're going to have your reaction to the feeling, and now you're dealing Mm -hmm. with, like, trying to bottle something up or cover something up, and it becomes this overwhelming experience instead of just, like, yep, I'm feeling it. I'm having all the colors of the rainbow now, and then what's Mm -hmm. next, right? Yep. And then that's the transparency part. The more that I show that, like I think people who are 
I don't know, I don't call myself a coach, but people who offer services or appealing services <laughs> feel the need to pretend like whatever they're selling you works all the time and so well and look how well they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I am not selling you shit. I cannot tell you, I, I'm going to hold space for you and I'm going to help you process stuff and I'm going to be a reminder of things that maybe you've forgotten. But it, there's no final place that you get that this stuff goes away. And I stopped, I think I for a long time wanted that. Like, when does it end? It doesn't. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. <laughs> you know, it feels differently in your body. Like right now, there have been some new things coming up for me that I'm like, whoa, okay, next thing to work on. But I'm like, I'm not receiving them in the same way. They feel like, it, I almost feel like I'm welcoming them. Like, okay, let's look at these. They don't feel like, I don't know, they don't feel painful. They just feel like, they, uh, that's not true, growing pains. But they don't feel negative. That's a good word. Right. It feels like this is a growing pain. Like I did a little thing yesterday that said, hard but good and I feel like that's that kind of sums it up like there's always work to do but it's good work to be done I mean if you think about activism and social justice work which is the tradition that I was raised in like it's always hard and there's always there's mountains and mountains for miles and, and countries worth as far as you can see of work to be done that doesn't mean we don't do it or that we don't enjoy it while we're doing it or that every little small victory is not, you know, worth fighting for. If, if you just felt like, you know, well, it's just too much work or here's another thing and here's another thing. So I'm, I give up, but it's like you are committed to making the world a better place. And if you can, if you can do that with yourself and commit to making your life better, not just because you're chasing joy and happiness, but because you're improving like, you know, I, I talk about it all the time. Like, what I look for in a friend or a partner is just someone who is working on their shit, man. I don't need you to be done with it. I don't, there, you know, I just want you to be engaging with it and, mm -hmm. and not be suppressing it and not be in denial. I think, you know, the most unattractive people, to be honest, are just people like, now, I'm not judging you, but I don't necessarily want you in my immediate energetic sphere are people who are just in denial about their shit. Like they just have no clue that they're behaving the way that they are or that they're, you know, like, why is this happening to me? Like, oh, well, do you really want to know? Because I have some thoughts looking from the outside, but most <laughs> <laughs> do not want to know. <laughs> most people don't really want to know. And so then you're like, what kind of advice do you give someone where you can see why a lot of the, they're manifesting a lot of the stuff that they are, but I'm watching from the outside, but you don't really want to know because, You've been doing the same thing forever. So I feel very fortunate that everyone in my immediate life, from my parents to my partner to my closest girlfriend, are all on the journey. And just always checking in with, like, you know, what, what's going on in here, man? And what's working and what's not? And how can I show up better for myself, which is a good transition? How can I show up better for myself and how can I show up better for other people? And I think the thing that I struggle with, well, let me rephrase that. I think... It's not even a struggle. It's just a, something I'm engaging with around the radically selfish concept is, you know, I feel like I've been making probably for the last, since I met my partner, actually, when I met him, I just felt like I was drowning and not even in bad things, but just 
other people's shit, to be honest, like mm-hmm. obligation to my family, to my friends, to my, you know, mainly my, my family and friends. It just felt like, whoa, this is a full, more than a full-time job. And here I am, a single mother trying to get this, you know, sustain myself. And I am a full-time caregiver for multiple people. And he was just from the outside like, uh, yeah, you need to... <laughs> you need to make some adjustments and you need to create some boundaries because I'm watching you drown. And, and I don't even know if you have room for me basically. And I, it's, I knew it was true, but I was like, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how, you know, my mother is a giver and she just says yes to everything and then figures it out later. And you know, nurtures everyone and just makes it work. And a lot of moms are like that, you know. So that was the model that I grew up with, with is like superwoman kind of. But she would also crash and be in her room for like a week with a migraine under the pillows because her body would just, she would go, 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 and she'd get everything, everything done. And then as soon as whatever the thing was, prom or, you know, your birth or your marriage or whatever, she would just like zonk out because she was just like done. Yeah. And I have a lot of health issues and I'm not, I'm very aware that they are a result of doing too much. And so I'd say the last two years has really been a scaling back both of production and how much I'm trying to do and how much, um, I give to others. And it's really hard. And I, like I said, I've had some friends that, I don't even know why. They never told me, but I just had friends that have disappeared and fallen off. And I have had friends that didn't disappear that have said, you know, I need more from you. And I'm just like, okay, I'm trying. And I, and, and my reaction to that initially is always like, okay, of course, I'll give you more. I'm sorry. I didn't know you needed more. And yet I don't really have any more. Mm. And so just, always figuring out that balance of and you know people say balance is a myth or whatever but I don't know I'm a Libra I don't think it's a myth I think that there is perfectly balanced maybe not consistently balanced maybe not but are you engaging in a you know taking one thing off one side and putting it on the other side to where it feels better in your body that's my idea of balance Okay, we have to stop the conversation right there because me and Melinda just keep on going, getting deeper and more vulnerable and talking about our true lives. So we made the decision to cut this interview into two parts. So tune in next time for the second half of my conversation with the amazing Melinda Alexander. And in the meantime, make sure you subscribe and rate the Radically Selfish podcast so that more people can hear these incredible true stories of unapologetic women around the world that are doing the damn thing and that are getting free. And I want to give a big shout out to my crew of women that are guiding me and supporting me in this journey, including my producer extraordinaire, Nikki Thomas. And also thank you to Ducks for my theme music. I love it so much. Have a great week.